Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Let's open up our Bibles and read Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of darkness... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ross. Uh, Good to start, I guess, by reflecting on the unprecedented times. Uh, I promise I won't use that word uh, again, and I think we've done so well to get to this point without using that word uh, yet, but, but, you know, we've done it now. Uh, I'm Ben. It's great to be here wherever you are um, in your homes. Uh, We're going to open up God's Word and we're going to see what He's saying to us and how He's engaging with us in this moment. We're going to continue in our series called Out of the Darkness as we look at the Psalms. Uh, So we're going to look at Psalm 23. If you have your Bibles there, keep them open. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles there, then you should go and grab them and open them up. You have no excuses. You know, you can't say that you left it in your car or you left it at home. Have your Bibles there and open them up uh, because the Bible is the way that God speaks to us. So I'm going to pray again uh, and then we'll look at Psalm 23 together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can join together this morning. Lord, even though for all of us we are separated right now, that physically we aren't connected, we celebrate, Lord, the, the reality that you are the God who unites us and uh, that you are the God who is with us and who is speaking to us. And there is a unity here that we have. Father, we pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you would shape us and change us and move among us. And we pray that we would be comforted and changed by the God of the Bible. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So is God good all the time? Uh, I don't know if you've been in the room when someone said that. You know, I feel like it happens pretty regularly. Someone will say, God is good, and then someone else will jump in and say, all the time. I don't know if you've been there. Maybe you're the person who does that, uh, and that kind of happens in your environment. But see, it's interesting because often this line, God is good all the time, it comes on the back of something good happening. Right? I don't know if you've noticed that as well, but I was talking to someone this week who was talking about their work and they were saying that uh, in their job, their job's been really good in this time and um, even in the pandemic, they've been able to continue to work and on the back of that sentence, they said, God is good. You know, it's not just on the back of stuff like that though. Uh, You know, when someone gets a, a new house, a new relationship, when someone gets engaged or married or there's a new baby or a birthday, We hear that line, 
God is good, and then someone else will always jump in there and say all the time, God is good all the time. But see, it's interesting because I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do that. I think it's a good thing in moments of good times to celebrate the giver who stands behind the gift. I think that's a good thing. But what is interesting in those moments is whether we mean it or not, the subtle message is God is good simply because he's giving me something good. That's the message in those moments. If we only hear that line, God is good all the time in the good times, then the message is God is good simply because he's given me something good. You you see, we don't often hear this line when bad things happen. We we don't often hear this line in the dark times or in the dark moments. You, You know, as we reflect on the last few months, as we reflect on the pandemic and on the difficulty of this moment, I don't know if you've heard this line as much. You know, I must admit this week, in the last week, I didn't hear this. I didn't see this on Facebook as many times as maybe I would have. You know, I didn't see any posts this week when someone was talking about the difficulty of, home, of homeschooling and the servers crashing and, um, you, you know, the, the parents that couldn't answer their grade one maths questions. I didn't see those posts and then look at the comments and see someone say, God is good. And then someone else jump in there and say all the time. We don't often hear this in moments of difficulty and in moments of darkness. And, and what this does is it raises a question for us. And, and the question it raises is, is this, it's, is God good all the time or is God good only when good stuff happens? Is God good only when good stuff happens to me and, and things that I've defined as good? Or is God good in the difficult moments? Is God good in the hard times? Is God good when the darkness sets in and when it's difficult? Is, is God good in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows? Is God good in every season? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to move and into this space and look at this question. And we're going to do that as we work through the Psalms. Uh, in, in this series, we're going through the Psalms. We're looking at how people, how God's people have prayed in darkest, in their darkest moments to God. And, and in this Psalm, Psalm 23, what we're going to see is that David looks at God's goodness and how God is good in every season. And, and we see that as we look at Psalm 23 and, and we pick it up here. It is a Psalm of David. So again, David is writing this. And he says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. So is God good in every season? Is God good all the time? Well, David begins by pointing out that God is good in the good seasons. Right, you, you get a sense of that from those first few verses there of the, the idea of the green pastures. That's the good times. And, and David in this moment is celebrating the giver of the gift. He's celebrating that God is good in the good seasons. But see, to, to understand what's going on in this passage, we do have to understand um, this analogy of God being a shepherd. You know, that's how the psalm began, the Lord is my shepherd. And to understand that, we've got to understand what shepherd is for the ancient world. You see, I don't know for you in your home right now, what you think of when you think of shepherd. Uh, What comes to your mind when you think of shepherd? Uh, We were having this discussion in our house this week, uh, Elizabeth and I. And for me, what comes to my mind is I think of Jesus with a lamb on his shoulder. 
That's just it. That's what I think of, like, meek and mild and gentle, you know, humble little Jesus. That's, that's what comes to my mind when I think of shepherd. Uh, for Elizabeth, she thinks of some old guy farming. And, and my bet is whether, you know, you're either side of that at home, you're probably somewhere in that sort of space. When you think of shepherd, it's either that kind of gentle, meek and mild, or just someone who farms, a, a farmer. But see, when we look at shepherd, and when we think about a shepherd in the ancient world, we realize that kind of both of these pictures are wrong. You see, in the ancient world, shepherds weren't gentle and meek and mild. Um, and even if they had done it their whole lives, the reality is shepherds needed to be strong. Shepherds had to protect the sheep from lions and wolves and panthers and bears and, and thieves ambushing them. And shepherds had to protect the sheep and lead the sheep. Shepherds were strong. They were powerful. They, they weren't like gentle, meek and mild. They were strong. In, in fact, uh, it's interesting. I came across this thing this week of uh, a guy who was reflecting on what we think of when we think of shepherds throughout the Bible. And he was able to witness 19th century shepherds. So I know it's not the ancient world. But he was able to, to look at and watch the kind of the way that 19th century shepherds in the Middle East did their lives. And on reflecting on it, he wrote this description down of what a shepherd was like. And I think it captures it so well of what a shepherd is like in the ancient world. This is what his quote is. He said, The shepherds themselves had none of that peaceful and placid aspect which is generally associated with pastoral life and habits. He said they looked like warriors marching to the battlefield, a long gun slung from the shoulder, a dagger and heavy pistols in the belt, a light battle axe or iron-headed club in the hand. Such were the equipment, and their fierce flashing eyes, scowling countenances, showed but too plainly that they were prepared to use their weapons at any moment. I love that description of shepherds because it's not like gentle, meek and mild, humble little shepherd. No, the picture he gives us is kind of of a warrior shepherd, like a, of a shepherd who is prepared to use his weapons that he has on him to protect and care for the sheep. Now, when we think of shepherds throughout the Bible and in the ancient world, this is a better description of what a shepherd is. In fact, the modern equivalent is not probably not a farmer. The modern equivalent is um, probably someone in the military or in the army. You know, someone who is on the front line of battle with their weapons, ready to fight and protect the things that they need to fight and protect for. You know, that's the picture of a shepherd that we're talking about here and, and that, we should, that should come to our minds when we read, the Lord is my shepherd. Here David is saying, the Lord is my warrior shepherd. He is the one that protects me and provides for me. He is the one that leads me to green pastures. And in this moment, David is celebrating the giver, not the gift. He's turning to the giver and not in on the gift. Now, just a side point here. It's interesting that David describes the Lord as his shepherd. You, you see, in the Old Testament, the kings of Israel were described as shepherds. They were meant to be the warrior shepherd of God's people to protect and care for them. And we know a little bit about David. You know, you might think of him as this small boy that got lucky throwing a stone at Goliath. But the reality is he was a warrior. He was a warrior shepherd, and he was a kind of a strong guy that you wouldn't want to mess with, the king of Israel. And yet here in this moment, he describes God as his shepherd. 
Here, David is saying that he's a sheep. He's weak. And yet it's God who has led him to these green pastures. God has led him to the good times. And so David shows us God is good in the good times. And he also models to us that in the good times we turn to the giver and not in on the gift. Now, I I don't know if you reflect on this or or when you think about it in moments of good times, moments of green pastures for us, um, how you go at turning to the giver and not the gift. You, You see, it's often been said that when things are going well, it's difficult to turn to God. You know, I don't know if that's been your experience, but if, if you think about, you know, maybe normal life for you, you, you could describe normal life as green pastures. Um, you, you know, and I think in some ways for the majority of Australians, this is just what it means to be in Australia. That's kind of what we were celebrating yesterday. The people who laid their lives down for us to live in green pastures, in the freedom that we have and the, the country that we have. How do you go when things are going well, turning to the giver and not in on the gift? You know, see, it, it's often difficult. It's often w- we, we get distracted. It's often that we are pursuing lots and lots of different good things and we fill our lives with busyness. It's often in those moments that we actually forget that we are sheep and weak and it's in those moments, it's probably a combination of all those things. And maybe you can think of other things as well that make it hard for us to turn to the giver and not the gift. But you see, David's modeling to us here that in the good times, it is the warrior shepherd who has led us to those good times. And in those moments, we are to turn to the giver and not in on the gift. So David shows us first and foremost that God is good in the good times. That's what we see, right? God is good in the good times. But, but you see, that's the easy bit, right? Like that's not the hard bit. That's the easy bit. It's easy to say that God is good when stuff is going well. You know, it's easy to say that God is good when work is going well and, and when we're financially secure and when our homes are great and when, when um, our relationships are going well. It's easy to say that God is good when I'm not feeling anxious, when I'm not feeling fear or worry. It's easy in the good times. So what about in the hard times? What about when financially things aren't going well? What about when the darkness sets in? What about when fear and anxiety won't leave us alone? What about in those moments? What about in the hard times of our life? Is God still good then? Well, this is where David goes. This is where he goes in these next verses. You see in verse 3, he says, He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And then verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Here in this moment, David is saying God is not just good in the good times. He's saying God is good in the dark moments. God is good in the hard times. And God is good because he's the warrior shepherd who is protecting and caring for his sheep. In in fact, in these verses here, David wants to show us kind of two big things. Firstly, that in the darkest moments there's purpose. And secondly, in the darkest moments there's peace. Purpose and peace. So firstly, purpose. There is a purpose to the dark valleys. 
Now, again, uh, if we think about shepherds in the ancient world, this helps us understand how there's purpose in the dark valleys. Uh, so if you think in the ancient world for a shepherd, uh, they didn't just have their sheep set up in their own farm. You know, it's not like they live in Australia where they've just got an abundance of land and just their job was just set up the fences or whatever and the sheep will be fine. No, in the ancient world, if you were going to be a warrior shepherd to protect and care for the sheep, then what that meant is you'd be set up in a green pasture. But then to properly protect and care for the sheep, you would need to move. You'd need to take your sheep from one green pasture to the next. And the next green pasture, it wasn't just next door. You know, it's not just that they had farms set up and you just went one to the next. It wasn't just set up next door, nor was there like a clean road that they could just walk on and get to the green pasture. No, often for the shepherd to lead the sheep to life, they would need to go on a dangerous road, literally a dark valley. Often they would have to travel from one green pasture to the next on this dark valley. And this dark valley was dangerous. You know, there was the danger of stuff falling and hitting the sheep. There was the danger of the animals lying in wait, of the wolves waiting to attack and tear up the sheep. There was the danger of thieves waiting in ambush. It was a dangerous road. So when, when you think about this, you, you ask the question, well, why then would the shepherd take the sheep through the dark valleys? But we know why. You know, when we think about it, we know why they'd go through the darkest valleys. It's because when you get through the darkest valleys, you get to the next green pasture. The dark valleys had a purpose, and the purpose was to bring life. The purpose of the dark valleys was to bring life. Now, this is what David is kind of getting at. You see in verse 3, he says, the right paths. You guide me along the right paths. And then in verse 4, he's kind of insinuating the dark valleys are a part of those right paths. The darkest valleys have a purpose to bring life. And we know this is not just true for David. This is true for us. You know, Ryan and myself, we did that uh, a sermon, I think a few weeks ago, where we looked at James chapter 1, where James says, rejoice when you face trials of many kind. Because you know trials produce stuff. And, and produce perseverance. And if you persevere, then you'll get the crown of life. Trials in the dark valleys have a purpose of producing life within us. God often uses the darkest moments and the difficult times of our life to produce life in us. Now, I don't know, when you reflect on some of the dark valleys in your life, I don't know if you could say this or if this has been your experience. You know, when you look back on, on the dark moments of your life, if you could say, you know what, even though it was hard and it wasn't easy because it's never easy, God worked in that. God shaped me. He changed me through those dark moments. You see, as I reflect on this, for me, this has been my experience. When I reflect on some of the dark valleys in my life, it wasn't easy. But I see that in those spaces, God was producing life in me. You know, I had this moment um, last year. I had about six months of this health scare last year where I went to six doctors and two specialists and had two ultrasounds. And it was six months of fear and anxiety as I, I thought that there was something wrong with me. And as I went to the doctors and the specialists, they said to me that they, they didn't really know what was wrong and that it, it might be nothing, but if things get worse to come back. It was the unknown. 
and I, I was living in the fear of the unknown and the anxiety of the unknown, and it was it was darkness. And yet when I reflect on that six months, for me, I, I see that God was gracious in that. And it was in that time that God produced in me a deepening dependence on Him that just didn't exist before that time. You know, I, I learned to pray more. I, I learned, I pushed into stuff that I'd never done before. I, I fasted for the first time in my life. It was, it was beginning to actually depend on God. And I found the life that God is in control and I'm not in control. But see, it was, it was through the darkest valley that God produced life. It wasn't easy. It's never easy, but it's, it's often in those moments that there's a purpose where God is producing something in us. You know, I could say the same thing uh, is true for our marriage as well. When Elizabeth and I got married, um, you know, you go into your marriage excited and, and expecting that it's going to be the greatest thing ever, and then two sinners are in the same room. And for the first two years of our marriage, it was difficult. You know, a good week was when we would fight once. We, we would often, we, we would have lots of fights about whether we're loved, about real deep issues. You know, we didn't fight over the toilet paper. It was deep heart issues and it was hard. It was difficult. There were moments where I was crying out to God saying, this is not how it's supposed to be. And yet we went and, and saw counselors. And as we reflect on that, God was gracious in, in helping me see that I need to be less selfish, less self-absorbed. And in that dark valley, God produced in me and in us life. You know, now our marriage, we have a life that we didn't have before. It's often in the dark valleys that God produces life. Now, I, I don't know if this is your experience. But it's been such a comfort to me to hear about how this is some people's experience over the last few months. You know, I was talking to someone this week who was saying that for them, they lost their job at the beginning of the pandemic. And they're learning in this time that God is in control. That God is the one who provides and that he's not in control. You, you know what that is? That's life in the darkness. I'm hearing from people who in this time have found a fresh enjoyment in God's word and prayer who are establishing habits that they never had before and are finding this time to engage with God. Do you know what that is? That's life in the darkness. You see, it's often in the dark valleys that God works for the purpose of producing stuff in us, producing life. And this is not just true in moments of darkness either. This is ultimately true and will finally be true with the, the, the last dark valley that we walk through. You, you see, death will come for us all. And death will be the final dark valley that we will need to walk through. And yet what we know for the person who trusts in Jesus, even that final dark valley will have the purpose of bringing life. God will work through death and give His people life. For those who trust in Jesus, death is not the final valley that will crush us. Death is what will bring us resurrection. You see, God works through the darkest valley for the purpose of producing life. And, and so we see that, that in the hard times, God is good because he's working in those dark valleys for a purpose. But you see, David wants to show us something else here in this passage. He wants to show us that it's not just purpose in the darkness, but there's peace. 
There is a peace in the darkness. And the peace is knowing that God is right there with us. As you notice, he said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He said, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You, you prepare a table before me. God is with him in the darkness. And for David, this brings him peace. This is his comfort. It's knowing that the shepherd has not abandoned his sheep in the darkness, but is right there with them. Now, again, ancient world, right? He, he, think of shepherds back in the ancient world. David describes the peace that he has when he looks at the shepherd and he sees his rod and staff. And the rod and staff for the shepherd were his weapons, David is saying the thing that brings him peace in the middle of darkness is knowing that there's a shepherd prepared to fight for him, who's going to protect him and look after him. There's a warrior shepherd that's going to look after him in the middle of the most difficult moments, in the middle of darkness, that God is there fighting for his people. You see, the peace that we have in the darkest moments, in the most difficult times of our life, the peace that we have is not in my strength. Right, the, the peace that we have in the middle of darkness is not in the strength of the sheep. It's in the presence of the shepherd. It's in the presence of the God who is right there with us. The God who made the universe, who is present in those dark moments. The God who made you and is present with you. The God who has acted faithfully and will act faithfully again. The God who acts in power in the past and will act in power in the future. The God who has done great things. And, and for David, he knew this. You know, the God who had parted the Red Sea, the God who had given him victory over enemies. But, but we know this too. The God who entered our world, the God who healed the sick and gave sight to the blind, the God who brought the dead back to life, the God who himself conquered the grave. This God, he's present. He's present with you in this moment of darkness. And this presence brings us peace. You see, the peace that we have deep within us in the middle of darkness is not found in the strength of the sheep. It's found in the presence of the shepherd. And so right now, if this is what you're experiencing, if the darkness has set in, if this is difficult for you, if there's fear and anxiety in the uncertainty of what happens next, see this truth. God will not leave you alone in this. The warrior shepherd is present with you. He cares for you. He is with you. And in the middle of this darkness, God can be trusted. He can be trusted because in the middle of this moment, he's right there with you. David said, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You, you see, God is not just good in the good times. God is good in the difficult times. He's good in the hard times. He's good in the darkness. And he's working in the darkness with a purpose and with a peace. And he's present with us. So God is good in the good. God is good in the hard. 
But as we finish up this passage, in verse 6, what we see is that God is not just good in the good, He's not just good in the hard, but that God is good all the time. <laughs> Some ways I hate to say that because it just feels cheesy me doing it, but that's what we see in verse 6. God is good all the time. Have a look at verse 6 there. He says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying God is good now in my life. Like God is good right now. Whatever I'm going through, God is good right now. His goodness hasn't shifted or changed and God is good forever. God is good in the green pastures and God is good in the darkest valley. God is good right now and God is good into the future. And, and again, he grounds this in God. So that word love there, uh, as you see it, your goodness and your love, that word love there is the same word that we saw last week in Psalm 13. And literally that word means covenantal love. You know, your Bible might have a little note down the bottom that says steadfast love. And the reason we, we look at covenantal love is because when we see it's covenantal love, we notice that it's a love grounded in God, His character and His promises. Which means if this love is grounded in God, this love won't shift or change whatever our circumstances, whatever our present pain, whatever the present pandemic, whatever our present situation is, God's love won't shift or change or move. It will always be the same. And this is what David says. God is good all of the time in the green pastures, in the darkest valleys, right now and into the future. God is good. And that won't change. You see how good this psalm is? See how good God is and how clearly it's, it's spoken about in Psalm 23. He is our warrior shepherd who is there leading us and guiding us and he's with us. And, and as we see this in Psalm 23, we see how good this psalm is and how good the message is. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It helps us see how good God is. And, and as we see that, it's no wonder that this psalm is kind of the most famous psalm. You know, if anyone knows of one psalm, you know, and, and many people might not know any, but if, if people know one psalm, chances are it's Psalm 23. Because Psalm 23 is so good, as, as we've seen that, it's so good. But there is something that we need to face here. There's something that we need to confront as we get to the end of this psalm. And it's the reality that although this psalm is good, although this psalm is beautiful and wonderful, there, there is this reality that this psalm and the comfort of this psalm it's not for everyone. The psalm, the, the truth of it, it's, it's not for everyone. It's only for those who, like David, say, the Lord is my shepherd. You, you see, I, um, a few years ago, witnessed this moment, and it was heartbreaking. I, I was at a funeral of, uh, of a lady that, that didn't trust in Jesus, wasn't a Christian, and... As we were celebrating her life, they got to this moment in the service where they played Psalm 23. And in, in some ways, this psalm was a comfort to those who were listening, but there was something just so heartbreaking in this moment. It was tragic because I knew that for this woman, we knew for this woman, she had just walked through the darkest valley of death. And she didn't know the shepherd. You, you see, unless we know the shepherd, unless he is our shepherd, unless he is my shepherd, then this psalm remains an empty comfort. This is an empty hope. 
But you see, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't need to be that way because we can know the shepherd. We can trust the shepherd. We can know who it is that leads us into green pastures and who is there with us in the darkest valleys. We can know the shepherd. You see, this side of Jesus, we live in a time where he's made himself clear. And there's this moment, if we follow the story of the Bible, we get to the biography of Jesus in the book of John, where John records what Jesus did in his life. And there's this moment in chapter 10 of John where he kind of pushes into this language of a shepherd and his sheep. And he begins in the first few verses by saying he's the gate. And so he's saying that he's like the gate to the green pastures, which is weird to describe yourself as a gate. But he's saying he's the only way in. Right, you, you can't get into the green pastures unless you go through the gate. Jesus makes an exclusive sta- claim, uh, claim and says he's the gate. He's the only way into life. But then the analogy slightly shifts and he moves from saying he is the gate to then he starts using language of he is the good shepherd. And notice as we look at this in a moment, notice just how much Jesus picks up on language from Psalm 23 and on ideas that we've just spoken about from Psalm 23. It's in John chapter 10 if you're following at home and we pick it up in verse 11. It says this in verse 11, I am, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. You see what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, He is the shepherd of Psalm 23. He's the good shepherd. He's the one who will lead. He's the giver of the gifts, lead people into green pastures and rest And quiet waters, he will guide them along the right paths. Jesus is the one who will walk with his sheep through the darkest valley. He will be present with them with his rod and staff. He is the one who will prepare the table in the presence of the enemies. He is the one of goodness and love. And he is the one who will secure forever for his people. Jesus is saying he's the shepherd of Psalm 23. But there's a twist in this as well, because not only is is Jesus the shepherd of Psalm 23, but he's also kind of in some ways the ultimate sheep of psalm 23 because jesus himself will go by himself through the darkest valley of death for us he will go through the darkest valley by himself to secure for his people life he did it for the purpose of bringing life you know jesus is described as the lamb of god He's the one who will lay his life down for his people so that God's people can have life. Jesus is the good shepherd of Psalm 23. And when we know this shepherd, when we trust in this shepherd, when we say Jesus is my shepherd, then then Psalm 23 becomes our hope and our peace and our comfort. This becomes life to us. But if Jesus isn't your shepherd, then, then Psalm 23 isn't, is empty. It doesn't bring the power and the comfort of knowing Jesus. But, but you see, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, maybe you're sitting there today and, and maybe there's this reality that you're not sure about Jesus. 
you know, maybe you've heard little bits and pieces about who Jesus is, or you know generally the story, but, but you're not completely sure if you can trust him. Maybe you don't know anything about Jesus. And, and maybe, you know, you just tuned in because someone shared this and, you, and you're just here. But, but we'd love to actually invite you to come and find out more about Jesus. We'd love to help you see that not only you can trust Jesus, but you can be confident in your trust in Jesus. You see, we are starting, as Ross and Ryan spoke about before, we're starting a life course on Thursday night online on, on Zoom uh, from 7.15 to 8.30. And the life course is this moment where we ask the question, okay, so, so what did Jesus mean when he said he's come to bring life? We, we ask these moments and it, it asks these questions and it's in this space, you know, we, we will ask the question, what does Jesus mean when he said, I've come to, uh, to bring life? Week two, how do I know the Bible's true? Um, we go into all of these things to see how can we be confident in Jesus? But it's also a great time to ask any questions that you have. You know, and, and Zoom allows us to, you don't even have to say it. You can just chat it and send it as a message to me. But, but if you're not sure about Jesus, then we would love to invite you along to that. And, and if you're sitting there at home right now and you are sure about Jesus and you, you know someone that you want to bring along, then bring them along. Come along to the, to the life course on Thursday night. We'd love to have you there. Um, because it's a great moment to see how we can trust Jesus and how we can know the truth of Psalm 23. But see, if you're sitting there today and, and you do trust Jesus, you know, as you reflect on this and on what we've just talked about, as you, as you look at John 10 and the shepherd, you look at Jesus, you know this is your shepherd. You know, you have said he's my shepherd. You, you trust Jesus, the one who laid his life down for you. Then, then I hope you can see that as we know the shepherd, there is an assurance here. There is a comfort here. And this comfort is solid. This assurance is solid. Our hope is solid. Because we, we know the shepherd, the one who leads us and guides us to green pastures, but also the one who is with us in the presence of, of the darkness. He's with us in the darkest valley, whether that's seasonal or whether that's the final dark valley of death, that we can have an assurance that our warrior shepherd won't leave us alone, but he's there protecting us, caring for us, looking out, for us and as we live in the presence of darkness we can have a peace and this peace comes not in the strength of me not in the strength of the sheep but in the presence of the shepherd let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much for the hope that we have in jesus lord we thank you so much that we can have confidence in our shepherd in Jesus who came and showed himself so clearly, and then in our shepherd who laid his life down for us, who went through the darkest valley all by himself for the purpose of bringing us life. God, we pray that this would be our comfort and our hope in the good times and in the hard times. We pray that we would realize and recognize, God, that you are not just good when good stuff happens, but you are good all the time. And in those darkest moments, that's sometimes where we can see your goodness most clearly. So God, help us to realize this and hold on to this. And may this be our peace in this present moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.